today. Uh, turns out border walls are good. Who knew? And Donald Trump followers are being targeted by the FBI as the 2024 election nears. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and uh, the Biden regime making quite the policy change today as the Department of Homeland Security has announced that, hey, you know what? Those walls, they actually work. And uh, maybe that Trump guy, I don't know how to point. And Homeland Security will now be building several miles of wall to fill some of the gaps left in Trump's border wall after Biden took over the White House and decided to open the floodgates. And I do mean quite literally. DHS announced its plan yesterday, stating there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent huh, unlawful entries into the United States in the project areas pursuant to sections 102A and 102B. And of course, the document released by DHS notes that the funding for the construction of the border wall was already granted to the president. Well, President Trump back in 2019, construction supplies that taxpayers, you and me and everyone else, already paid for that were literally left on the ground to rot and tarnish. So you may be asking yourself, wow, does Joe Biden actually get it? He finally sees the dangers of an open border and understands that like, you can't just leave them wide open? Well, no, actually. He himself said this morning that he tried to stop the funding of the wall and uh, Congress wouldn't actually let him watch. One question on the border wall. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. And in the meantime, there's nothing under the law other than they have to use the money for what was appropriate. I can't stop that. Wow. Talk about tone deaf. Uh, here to discuss this and more, we have Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, which you can find right here on Blaze TV, also on YouTube. So make sure that you are subscribed, uh, along with Logan Hall, Blaze Media Digital Strategist. Thank you guys for being here. Um, I want to play a clip for you guys of White House spokesperson, right? Press Secretary KJP, the ever uh, poised, elegant, insightful uh, KJP, who was he? She was talking about. Well, I, I look. I'm asked about it. I didn't actually read the full statement, so I can't actually comment. But I just have to tell you that like, Joe Biden just doesn't think that walls are effective. I guess. Watch. Border walls ineffective. Why is the Homeland Security Secretary saying that it's necessary to prevent unlawful entries into the United States? I have not seen that full that full statement. It's I know. I, oh, I, I, I hear you. I'm just saying I have not seen that full his full statement uh, on that. What I can t speak to is for the president. The president has been very clear that he doesn't believe it's a, it's effective. He answered that question of your colleague. That's what I can speak to. That's what we're going to talk about. And we've actually said there are smarter ways and more effective ways in dealing with this. Like what, I wonder? Well, it's a super valid question, first of all, Sarah, <laughs> and I appreciate you asking it. Um, you know, it's, it's fascinating because it, it's not like it was just money appropriated to the wall. They, made a, they came out with a statement that said if there was an acute need for this wall because people were crossing the border at, si mm -hmm. at such high levels. So she's already been defeated. He's already been defeated by his own employees. And 
You'd think that would, I don't know, maybe move him a little bit to at least acknowledge what's going on down there. But then they're still in the state of denial. And, and you know, the polling on this stuff is terrible. Yeah. I mean, we we're seeing approval ratings in the mid to lower 20s. This is like well-deserved, I would well, say. Well-deserved, every single bit of it. And, you know, we are, of course, told over and over again that this was not going to happen. We were told these numbers were going to go down. We were told that they've had a 90 percent drop in these. What are you talking about? And this is so bad right now that it makes all of his other failures pale in comparison. Mm-hmm. That's saying something. Mm-hmm. People give him higher uh, approval ratings on the Afghanistan withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, that's how bad the border is. And you'd think at some point he'd step up and say, oh my gosh, we got to deal with this. Right now, all they can do is sort of depend on the chaos that kind of exists on the right uh, right now, which is certainly uh, there, to distract everyone from seeing what's really going on. I just don't know if that's a... I mean, I don't know. Is that a 15-month strategy? I don't know that you can get all the way there and hide this from people this entire time. At some point, they're going to have to answer for this. I totally agree. Um, Logan, I want to get your thoughts, but I want to play, to Stu's point, I want to play, you know, you mentioned the acute need that was cited by Department of Homeland Security, who, by the way, like Alejandro Mayorkas is the secretary of that particular agency. I wouldn't call him like anti-illegal immigration. I mean, this guy is like... He loves it. He loves it. He's more liberal on allowing illegals into our country than like anyone else. And even his department is saying, we got to stop this. Perhaps it's because, you know, you've got all of these masses of migrants that are just rushing the border, rushing all of these Border Patrol agents and security just to get through. Here's uh, some of that from uh, the El Paso border watch. I mean, when I said opening the floodgates, I don't know what else you call that. This is unbelievable. By the way, I think, I'm not sure if it was that clip or another clip, but I did hear them um, at one point chanting, si se puede. Yes, we can. Oh, that's nice. Which is nice. Maybe they were actually just trying to teach Jill that it's not, si se puede. But Logan, uh, like, this is just wild to me that you have this department, DHS, saying, hey, like, we gotta gotta do something. And Biden still is like, I actually didn't want them to do any of that. They just did it. They did it without my consent. Yeah. uh, Well, I think there are a couple things at play here. First is uh, it's about to be election season. So as to Stu's point, the polling for this stuff is just in the tubes. I mean, (laughs) no one really approves of this except Mm -hmm. for people in the beltway. Um, So that clip you just played right there, that is nation ending stuff. Yes. Countries do not recover from that sort of an invasion. And so um, I think that is something that we need to keep in mind. Like, I, don't, I think 2024 is probably going to be about, do we even still have a country left mm-hmm. at this point with mm-hmm. this many, I mean, 30, 35 million illegal immigrants in the country. Uh, it's just absurd and dangerous. And uh, two is, it's, it's very interesting how uh, this didn't matter if it's affecting a border town in Texas right. or people in the heartland. But as soon as a few thousand illegal immigrants are shipped to blue cities and they start sounding the alarm about this, that is when the Democrats in D.C. decide that, okay, maybe it's time for some wall. So to their credit, Democrats listen to and reward their people when they say they have a problem. Republicans, on the other hand, how long have Republicans been screaming at 
Texas and uh, Arizona yeah. to say, close the damn border. Yeah. What is going on? Like, how are you allowing this stuff to happen? Like, is anyone going to take charge? And uh, I, I think that's a, a key dynamic. And another thing, the last thing I'll say, from what Stu, Stu said, the chaos and the dysfunction on the Republican side, I think we should encourage more of that because they all of D.C. unleashes chaos and dysfunction on the rest of the country, and they never expect it to come back to them. So you have to, if you want to solve these problems, you have to bring them directly to their doorstep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with both of your points that, like, obviously you want the optics gearing up for election season to yes. pretend like you care. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that I, take a typical even Democrat. I'm not sure that you get out of this mess without promising mass deportations. And I know that that's like, I, apparently that's a very uncomfortable thing for even Republican candidates to admit that that's what it's going to take. But I think it's very striking, I guess, to hear someone say it because people for so long have avoided using that language. But like, you cannot watch that video and say that this is going to be solved by anything other than mass freaking deportations. This is just one night of it. This has been going on for two and a half years. We've had people flooding into the country. Our economic system cannot like we don't have the financial resources to, to sustain this type of thing. So I just don't know that it's like I, I feel like maybe the silver lining in all of this is that the Biden administration will have red-pilled certain Democrats, at least on immigration, right? And saying like, guys, not only can you guys just, not only should you guys put up a border wall, you gotta get, the, you gotta get these people out. They're ruining our entire cities. P case in point, Logan, to your point about these blue cities and blue states that are now feeling the pain and they're like, whoa, hold on a second. We, we didn't know what it meant when we said sanctuary city. We didn't know it meant that. Um, I want to play New York City Mayor Eric Adams, uh, who is now flying to Mexico um, because he's he says, I'm stepping up to try to come up with solutions. Now, all of a sudden, immigration solutions matter to him because it's affecting his actual city. Watch. We are pulling off now to head to, to Mexico to speak with our leaders there and to really start the process of understanding the flow of migrants here to New York City and throughout the entire country. This is the type of conversation I believe we need to get there both uh, local, national, and international to come with a resolution. Wow, Eric Adams cares about illegal immigration, guys. That's amazing. It's an amazing new thing. Yeah. Everything's new. Um, it's, of course, embarrassing because they've had one tiny piece of this problem actually show up in their cities, and they can't seem to do anything about it. They're completely helpless, and they all of a sudden start sounding sort of like Republicans for a couple days until they get their talking points when they realize they're supposed to blame Trump or something for it, which <laughs> makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But, I mean, you go back to that footage. Uh, of the people rushing the border, you squint your eyes where it's almost as if you're watching uh, Ukrainians flee to Poland, like, <laughs> except that that was more orderly. Like, right, I, I, this, right. like, it's just incomprehensible that this is going on. And it's like acceptable to to, to the administration. I mean, I, look, they can say they want to push back against it. Occasionally, you'll see bits and pieces. But the end of the day, I mean, what was what was uh, Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams' answer mm -hmm. to this? Give them more work permits. Right. Like, that's not an answer to illegal immigration. That's an incentive to, for illegal immigration. They have no idea how to solve this. They're trying to kind of walk this line of 
correctly uh, illustrating that this is a problem and that their people uh, in their in their cities obviously recognize it, so they have to point it out. But they're trying to stick to their old guns. Honestly, like a candidate right now on the Democratic side that had the old school, I'm talking go back to the 90s view of what uh, Democrats used to say about the border, which was really a a stricter border argument, but based more on labor, right? Mm -hmm. Like they had all the unions Mm -hmm. didn't want people coming in. Mm -hmm. So they used to be tough. I mean, there's speeches with Harry Reid in front of the Senate railing against illegal immigration. Um, they should really go back and adopt that stance. It would be somewhat consistent with their history and would actually deal with this problem because if they do what they're doing now, which is just open borders, they are going to pay the price in the elections for this. This is a real issue. It's not only punishing uh, red states on the border, it's now punishing the entire country and everyone seems to be admitting it. Mm -hmm. So the approach here, I think, is going to be a huge problem for them. Yeah, to to that point, Logan, um, let me give you this uh, recent Gallup poll This was, when were they polled? September 1st through 23rd, 58% of Americans say they now hold an unfavorable view of the Democrat Party at large. And on on national security, Stu, I think you alluded to this earlier, on national security, 57% of respondents said Republicans would do a job, a better job at protecting the nation from uh, international terrorism, military threats, things of that nature, national security very obviously people are viewing Republicans more favorably. Yeah, and uh, who can blame them? I mean, uh, nobody can afford anything in this economy. Right. Uh, but the Biden administration has just been an absolute disaster on every front. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't name one thing. I think that they've probably done well. Um, and destruction yeah. is what they want. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, uh, you would like because you wonder what, what do they cite? I mean, they try to say Bidenomics, but like, I don't even, I mean, even well, CNN isn't really buying that. Yeah, they cook statistics to yeah, make things right, look nice right. for them. Uh, obviously, like, you can't put lipstick on a pig and expect people to believe it. Uh, right. But this is sort of what the destruction that globalism has wrought for our country. I mean, Republicans and Democrats alike wanted mass immigration for the longest time. Republicans wanted it for cheap labor Mm. and uh, outsourcing American jobs. Democrats want it because they thought it would be a reliable voting block for them, uh, which maybe in some cases isn't going to be uh, what actually happens. You're right, it is definitely an issue that has Uh, red-pilled some independents. I know Elon Musk was down at the border, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, last week, Mm -hmm. and RFK is talking about it a lot. But this is the consensus. So it's very tough. The people tried to beat it in 2016 when they elected Trump, and you've seen how that worked out and how they're targeting him and his supporters now. So uh, this is something that the regime just is desperate for. They want to replace you. They want Americans to shut up and sit down. Mm -hmm. Um, So really quickly, before we go, So we've been covering, because we are very serious journalists here at the News and Why It Matters, we've been covering uh, Joe Biden's dogs, who, like, I don't know what the hell's going on with his dog situation. He had his previous dog, um, what was the old one's name? I don't even remember. But this new one, Commander, is a two-year-old German Shepherd, and this dog has been biting so many people and attacking so many secret security agents that they just had to remove. This is the second German Shepherd dog that they've had to remove from the White House because all of these dogs are attacking everyone. I want to know what's going on and if it has to do with what we know Joe Biden was like chasing a dog and slipped and fell mm. after he got out of the shower. Uh, Maybe that's why these dogs are so angry. I think we have the solution here. Just release Commander on the border. <laughs> and we'd be fine. I think that's a great idea, Stu. Um, Okay, let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break and 
you know what, let's talk about uh, the FBI targeting the Trump supporters who don't agree maybe with Biden's ridiculous open borders policy. Um, first, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. So Relief Factor is there for those of you who maybe you're just living in constant pain. You've got arthritis, neck pain, knee pain, back pain, whatever the case may be. What you might not realize is that the root cause of that pain is uh, likely the inflammation that is within your body. And if you don't get rid of the inflammation, you're still good, just going to deal with that. You know, you're going to take like a topical cream, rub it on. It's going to feel good for 10 minutes and then you're going to be in pain again. Don't do that. Try Relief Factor. It is all natural, which I know you men are like, ugh, all natural, that must not work. Well, let me tell you something, it's worked for me. It's worked for Glenn Beck. It's worked for uh, Jason Buttrell. Uh, it's worked for so many of us here at Blaze. And it works for the majority of the people who take their three-week quick start pack. It's $19.95, you can fi find it at relieffactor.com. And 70% of the people who order that go on to keep ordering more because that's how many people it's working for. So well worth the investment to get out of pain. It could be life-changing. Go get that three-week quick start at relieffactor.com. That is relieffactor.com. <laughs> In the latest edition of Newsweek, the uh, magazine presented evidence suggesting that the FBI has established a new category of extremism within which they classified Donald Trump's followers and the MAGA movement as extremists. This is classified data that has been obtained by them um, that, you know, that the... the anti-government investigations are actually focused on Trump supporters, which how wild is it that we live in a, in a time in which like it's an extreme position to be anti-government? I feel like our founding fathers were all very clear that they were anti-government. So it's very bizarre to me that we now have an agency that is like, oh my God, you're anti-government and want lower taxes. You must be an extremist. Um, but uh, so Newsweek spoke to over a dozen current or former government officials who specialize in, ter in terrorism uh, in a three-month investigation to, uh, to kind of understand the current domestic security landscape to evaluate what President Joe Biden's administration is doing about what it calls domestic terrorism, and they uncovered this um, within that investigation. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on this, guys, but I, I just, it's very bizarre to me and very scary to me that, like, we, there's no way that we don't feel some sort of terrorist ramification from the story that we just talked about earlier of all of these people flooding our borders, which, by the way, I'm not even saying will come from Mexico, but perhaps, I don't know, China or uh, many of the Middle Eastern countries that they're coming from. Um, these people are coming from everywhere and they're crossing right like into the border. countries. Yes, yeah. yes. So it's like there's no way that we don't feel some sort of terrorist ramification from just that. So I guess it's really nice to know that the FBI is focused on things like MAGA extremists. Because, mm. I mean, look, saying taxation is theft... <laughs> going to speak at a school board meeting, which we'll talk about later, uh, and say, hey, I don't want you guys, you know, to provide porn to my students or I don't want uh, boys in my daughter's locker room. Boy, you are a domestic terrorist, right? All I can say is finally someone said something bad about Trump supporters. They've had such adoration from the media all this time. Right, and right. finally somebody said something critical. <laughs> Look, this is of, of course, every single group of, let's say, 100 million people that you can find. 
you're going to find some people who are uh, unsavory. Sure. There's going to be unsavory characters. That, of course, is true with Mm -hmm. Trump supporters. It's also true. I don't know if anyone... Steve Scalise is trying to run for uh, Speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. He was almost murdered by a Bernie Sanders volunteer. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there that are nutty. And they they believe all sorts of different things. Any single group you want to highlight, you're going to be able to find somebody who's bad. But what they're trying to do instead is name people and groups that are not dangerous at all. They're just their political enemies. And the more that they can frame this debate about, uh, you know, uh, good upstanding Americans versus extremists, the better it is for them. Of course, this is what this is how Joe Biden got elected. Right. Biden got elected largely because he presented himself as this upstanding, normal guy. Mm. He's going to bring us back to a point of stability. As great anyone, unifier. Yeah, the great yeah. unifier. <laughs> I haven't noticed the stability. It may, really? Maybe got lost in the mail. I don't know. Yeah. It never showed up at my doorstep. It just seems like there's just this, the opposite has happened since Biden has taken over. Huh. But like, what else does he have? We just went through his polling on every single issue. The guy's a catastrophe everywhere. So all he can do is frame him as the guy that is the normal guy that's going to try to bring America back to where it used to be. Uh, and and frame Trump and all of his supporters as evil terrorists. Why they constantly talk about January 6th, yeah. right? If they want to remind you of the one time in history that we have a movement on the right that actually did anything like that and ignore the thousands mm-hmm. of times we've seen it from the left. It's it's not the craziest political strategy from them, right? Yeah. They've got yeah. nothing else to run on. Right. So they might as well go for this. The problem is, and you know... And this is sort of the issue. We were talking about the chaos thing before. Like, I, I, I can appreciate the chaos in Washington just like everybody else. I mean, it's fun. I, I, I don't mind watching people squirm. But as we get closer to the election, the, my one concern in that, in, in that case is if what we're talking about is chaos, we're not talking about Joe Biden. right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about his record and the things that he wants to do. And I think, like, I, you know, especially, I mean, now it doesn't really matter on that front. But as we get closer to the election, this election really needs to be about Joe Biden and what he's done. Mm-hmm. And I hope that can happen. It's going to be hard. The media's going to do everything they can to ignore what he's doing yeah. and try to blame everything else on the right. Uh, the more that we can direct back to the stuff we were talking about that first uh, segment, those are real issues that actually affect real people. No one is actually seeing white supremacists attack their town. That's not that's imaginary. These are gremlins in the minds of the left. <laughs> it's not real. Their egg prices are real. Right. The bread right. prices are real. The milk prices are real. And so all that it's all part of the same thing. It's it's part of a a large strategy, and this is just one element, but it is important to make sure that we are hitting him on the border. We are hitting him on his failures overseas. Mm-hmm. We are hitting him on inflation and all these other things because they deserve that. This should be something where Joe Biden is held accountable, and he really needs to be. It also is just such like gaslighting BS because, to, to your points, too, there are there are horrible people that you know can identify with every single group out there yep. because that's that's the thing with people. There are horrible people of all kinds and all colors and all shapes and sizes. I've heard there's even some Philadelphia Eagles fans that aren't fully refined. Really? I mean, I don't know if it's true. I've never seen it myself. But oh, I sure have. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so to your point, that's true. But I do think that the gaslighting part that comes in is that what 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 some people did on January 6th, like they, some people took it too far, yep. right? The grandmas waving their flags that were waved in by the Capitol Police, no. But I think there's a distinct difference here in that the BLM supporters and rioters who were burning down cities had 
a plethora of leaders, Democrat leaders, who were encouraging them, take to the streets, go shout a Trump supporter down. You have Maxine Waters, you have Nancy Pelosi, you have all of these Democrat leaders who are encouraging the violence. And then on the flip side, you have the leader of the party at the time, Donald Trump, telling people, I want you to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So I just want to point out, like, this is true, but I do think it takes it to a whole nother gaslighting level when you have the leaders of the actual party encouraging violence versus you don't, you never see that on this side. In fact, I would say we're almost like to the point where how many times are they going to keep pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you before you're finally like, you know what? They deserve what they get. Yeah. uh, To Stu's point, Polling, this is where polling doesn't really matter. Like Biden's approvals are in the tank. But in a two-party system, if you want to hack the system in a democracy, democracy is magical this way. If you designate the other party, all the MAGA grandmas as terrorists, then your side wins. Or if you don't do that, then you just mass import a bunch of voters, a bunch of foreigners to get rid of your opponents that way. So this is where the system is uh, really clamping down right now. Um, it's tough for other candidates to argue that they are a greater threat to the power centers in D.C. while, you know, they haven't been arrested. They're, the FBI isn't monitoring their supporters for domestic, <laughs> domestic extremism. Uh, 2024 is going to be very serious. I mean, to what you said, Sarah, they burned down cities last time. Yeah. They altered election laws. They fortified it every which mm-hmm. way to one. Um, so I think- Self-admittedly, by the way. Self-admittedly, They yeah, said they, they bra- fortified they it. They bragged about yeah. it uh, yeah. openly. And so it was. they really wanted to rub your nose in it. Mm. They installed some vegetable. Uh, so I think 2024 is gonna be really ugly. And they are, re- they are trying to criminalize op- any meaningful opposition to mm-hmm. what is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope that doesn't happen. Do you know what's sad? You said they installed a vegetable, and I was like, I feel like I could say, like, which one? (laughs) That's the state of things. Yeah, I'm like, are we talking about 2022 John Fetterman? Are we talking about 2020 Joe Biden? Are we talking about Mitch McConnell? McConnell? (laughs) Dianne Feinstein, who I understand is no longer with us, but still... They had they they paraded her up there until her very last breath, practically. Um, so it's just oh my gosh, it's uh, it, that's a sad state of affairs. Um, all right, let's go ahead and um, is it time to take a break? Control. Okay. All right. Let no. Let's let's do one more. Let's do one more here. Um, so we talked yesterday about um, the speaker race now, speaker of the house race, and we've got Steve Scalise and we've got Jim Jordan who have both officially thrown their hats into the ring, and um, we played just to prove a point of how weak. Uh, Republican leadership was. We played uh, the clip or we showed the picture of just now, finally, they're forcing Nancy Pelosi to vacate the speaker's office. And so we were like, well, who's going to get the speaker's office now? Well, um, apparently uh, it's going to be McCarthy. <laughs> Which I just don't understand at all. I don't understand very how bizarre. any of these things work. Yeah. Um, but Pelosi was very mad about it. She said eviction is a sharp departure from tradition uh, and that they usually, I guess, like give you time. I'm like, girl, how much? 
much time do you need? Yeah. It's been a while now. How much time do you need? Um, and so I, I, like, I have no idea what's going on in Congress. But no, it's amazing. I mean, I guess she uh, said later she didn't care about office space, but I guess apparently they do. Now, I guess it's a tradition. My understanding is it's a tradition after the, you know, the old, old speaker goes out, you let them stay in their offices for a yeah. while, uh, maybe as long as they really want to. Um, and That's so lame. Yeah, it's sort of lame. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and also, it's just, I mean, it's also revenge here by the right, right? Like yeah. McCarthy, and this is, of course, uh, you know, the acting speaker of the House, a very close McCarthy um, a, uh, you know, ally. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and McCarthy says that when he took the speakership, um, Pelosi came up to him and said, well, what are they trying to do? They're trying to keep you out of there. What are they trying to do? And um, he said, well, they want me to do one vote, the Gates thing, right? Where yeah. one person can come and, and, and kind of get a vote going. And Pelosi told him, oh, don't worry about it. Give it to him. We'll, we'll always have your back. Now, who knows if that's true? <laughs> and he's an absolute idiot if he believed it from yes. Nancy Pelosi. Yes. But this does seem like his, their, you know, the McCarthy people that's are like, all right, look, funny. if you didn't step up and give yep. me a couple of freaking votes to bail me out of this, screw you, you're out of this yep. office. Yep. Which, I mean, look, I, you know, I'm not a huge McCarthy fan, definitely not a Pelosi fan. But it's sort of satisfying that she's got to move all her crap. That is so funny. Well, so the, the, the reason that she gave was like, well, the Democrats voted for Kevin McCarthy. Like, we voted for him as speaker. He was the only one that was voted in as speaker. So the office goes to him, I guess. <laughs> So stupid. Yeah, this whole speaker fight was a pathetic embarrassment for the Republican Party. Uh, I think Gates absolutely did the right thing. Uh, I remember they were talking about how, like, when all of McCarthy's defenders stood up, they were talking about how it was the most successful conservative speakership in, like, a generation. It's like, what have you guys actually mm-hmm. done? I haven't mm-hmm. seen them really do anything meaningful of consequence, except maybe release some of the January 6th tapes. Other than that, they're not actually putting up a fight. And this is what is important about what Gates did is you should, we should be bringing more chaos and dysfunction and whatever else is needed to D.C. until they get the message. Because mm-hmm. the Republican Party, I, I saw reports that there were members crying in conference. They were crying and giving Kevin McCarthy hugs because they were just so devastated. I saw... Uh, uh, Patrick McHenry, the mm. guy with the bow tie, yeah. he slammed his gavel yeah. down like a yeah. child. I yeah. mean, they're throwing temper tra- tantrums. This is what upsets them. I've never seen them get this upset about angel moms mm-hmm. or the persecution of President Trump or, any, or even just the people behind him. This was a disaster, and it's very revealing about what D.C. Republicans, their interests are not your interests. I, I totally agree. I Now, I will say that I do have respect for, um, I know we got to go to break here in a second, but I do have respect for people like Chip Roy, who I think is one of the, the few fighters yes. in Congress. I know that he was opposed to it, not because he thought that Kevin McCarthy should be like, respected as some beacon of conservatism, but because he said, look, we're like, what did he say? We're, you don't change the coach in the fourth quarter. Um, And like, we got to play it out, right? Like, I understood that. Um, And he came on our show too. And I think, honestly, like the the only, I I have no no sympathies really for Kevin McCarthy, but what I do (laughs) have is a desire to have a plan. And And that was my thing too. Yes. Have a plan, know what's going to happen. Now now look, if it comes out that Jim Jordan is the next speaker, I think this is a good improvement and we're going to wind up being happy with it. Um, You know, I don't know, Scalise is probably around the same Mm -hmm. as McCarthy is my estimate maybe. But I mean, the bottom line is if if you go into this and you don't have a plan, you might wind up with something much worse. Yeah. Now I do. Possible. I I do wonder. You do wonder. Matt Gates 
has some backroom conversations with Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan knows he's got to vote for Kevin McCarthy, so he's not hated by the rest of them who will need to vote for him. Mm -hmm. They can't tell anyone what they're doing, right? And then very conveniently, Matt Gates immediately almost says, I think Jim Jordan would be great. He was my mentor. And then Jim Jordan announces that he's running only because he had to, because everyone else voted, you know, well, those eight or whoever uh, voted against McCarthy. And it wasn't, he didn't have anything to do with it, but if someone has to take the lead, maybe it should be him. I do wonder if that conversation was had. And so there was a plan. I you just so. couldn't know I about it. So. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with more. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't even care. Uh, so some of you may have seen on social media, but I was alerted to my alma mater school district, Plano Independent School District, uh, having some very riveting books on their school library shelves. Uh, Citizens Defending Freedom was actually posting all of these very explicit uh, paragraphs from all of these books. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So I did what I, you know, what I do and uh, <laughs> showed up at the school board meeting. And here's how that went. Now, I will say, obviously, viewer discretion is advised. Um, I just kind of read them what they would see on a school library shelf. Watch. Next speaker is Sarah Gonzalez, Plano ISD non-resident, topic submitted, PISD libraries. He palmed my breast, his thumb flicking over my nipple. I cried out, he <laughs> buried himself in me with a mighty stroke. He pulled out a few times, the muscles of his back flexing beneath my hands, and then he slammed back into me, <laughs> again and again. And when that lightning once more filled my veins, my head, when I gasped out his name, his own release found him. He plunged his face between my legs, <laughs> driving into me with Ooh, tongue and teeth and fingers, oh. until I begged him to stop. Stu feels no, so uncomfortable. It was <laughs> Give me your cream. I had no choice. He made me. But then I pleaded for more. Me. He smiled. Notice we have to censor it on this. When yeah. I did mm -hmm. in a single strong move, he slid one arm under me, flipped me over onto my stomach, tugged me to the foot of the bed. Suddenly, he was inside me in one gigantic shudder. It was all released <laughs> right goes there on and in on. me. <laughs> That right there is found in Plano ISD school libraries. You know what else is found? The words ass, bitch, and sh Are any of you it's uncomfortable like yet? I wonder if you're uncomfortable why you allow this smut to be in Plano libraries accessible to children. Because anyone who thinks that this disgusting garbage has a place in our school libraries, quite frankly, shouldn't be within 500 feet of any school. Thanks. Plano parents entrusted all of you with the responsibility of protecting their children. At this point, you have a decision to make. Will you protect them or will you be a coward? Have the ball. Your time is up. Your time Next is speaker up. is. Like the, the high five you got on the way out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just. Okay, so that was from two different excerpts. Um, one was A Court of Mist and Fury. One was Collateral by Ellen Hopkins. Um, but that, like, the, the sad part is. Those were not the worst ones that I found. There was one that I didn't have time to read because they had to limit everyone's time from three minutes to a minute 30. There was one that I won't read here, um, but it's literally a dad engaging in incest with his daughter. Good God. Yikes. 
Yes. And it describes him. It's, it's from the daughter's point of view. And she's like, Daddy had me, you know, he was stiff as a stalagmite, it said. Mm-hmm. He wrapped my hand around it. And he and then she said at the end, her hand was sticky, like from the icing. Gross. Good God Almighty! And that's what, so. The, so so so. Uh, unfortunately for you guys, you guys were booked today for the day that I had to play that, right? <laughs> but my point is, it's making you guys so uncomfortable mm-hmm. to listen to. How uncomfortable do you think it makes a child when they think they're checking out a harmless book from their school library and they're like, "Oh, I just read a porn scene. Cool." Mm. Well. So much to say. First of all, I will say, uh, if this conservative thing does not work out, you got a future in audiobooks for smut. Because <laughs> that was an incredible performance. Anyone can go. To say that you go out there and read those words. You put emphasis in it. I you, did. you did. I did. You went. You went. How the book would have sounded if you were listening to an audiobook, and uh, how else do you say it? Right. That's how you would say it. I, I think you actually honored the author's words there. <laughs> Which, by the way, those words may be fu- not the second one you were just talking yeah. about, but the words might be fine for a uh, mm-hmm. you know a, a grocery aisle checkout, um, you know, or uh, the back room of uh, right. behind the beads at Barnes and Noble right. that area exists certainly not okay for these schools and this point keeps getting brought up and it, but it has to be because it's so effective the fact that we have to censor it this is a show aimed at adults mm-hmm. adults that can hear these words without restrictions we have to censor it everybody has to censor it except the schools <laughs> that doesn't make any freaking sense and you know what everybody knows it mm-hmm. and the more that you know you can do stuff like this I will not be doing stuff like this. Really? I'm going to leave this to you. Okay. Uh, but uh, the more that people can do stuff like this and draw attention to it, it just shows how stupid the point that they're making is. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, even on the left, are thinking, well, you know, they, they believe the narrative of don't say gay, right? Like right. they hear that and they're like, yeah, those Republicans are mean and they don't want people to have gay people around. And it's really bad because they see it in the media. Their friends are tweeting about it, whatever. Well, when they hear this, though, any mom is going to be like, wait a minute, what? No, I don't want that. That's crazy. Right. It's also the Democrat position, mm-hmm. and people need to know that. Yeah. Well, I hope the FBI didn't label you a domestic terrorist. <laughs> I'm sure I'm already, I'm sure I was already there. Oh, God, she's on every list known to man. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting how much liberals want to talk to little kids about uh, sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should check that out. Yeah, yeah they, they keep... Uh, winding up this narrative about banned books and everything else. And it's like, okay, well, I'm fine with banning books. If you're trying to teach little kids about, like, exploring gender identity or chopping off your own private parts, then, yeah, ban it. Like, that should be... ban it from the school library, Yeah, right? Like, you can still go buy it as an adult wherever the hell you want. Exactly, but all of these, uh, like yourself, all these mama bears Mm. are across the country are starting to wake up and realize, like, this is not good for my kids. So this is this is something even my own mom, she banned me from uh, reading Harry Potter as yeah. a kid. I couldn't read Harry Potter because yeah. of like witchcraft or whatever. Right. But good moms prevent bad their kids from being bad stuff and protect innocence for as long as they can. So yeah. parenting is just banning stuff. I, literally, <laughs> I can't tell you doing. how many times I say the word no. Yeah. And I feel really good about it too. After yeah. I say it, I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> no ch- oh, can I have a phone? No. no. There's no chance you're going to have a phone. I love you to death, but there's no way. Oh, who has one? I don't care. <laughs> oh, that's a great argument, but I'm not paying attention to it. And it's true. I mean, every kid, of course, wants more stuff. I mean, I, you know, we did, I'm sure, back in the day, although what is available now is so far over the line that if you're not 
really, I mean, you got to be restrictive. Yeah. I'm like, people make fun of me. I'm like, oh, you live in a bubble. Yes! <laughs> as long as I can stay in it, I will stay in it and I will keep those kids in it. They can yeah. learn about all the hellscape that's yep. out there later on in life. They got plenty of years for that. Maybe protect their childhood a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I know we got to, I want to keep talking about this. We got to take a break, but I will say this and then we'll go to break. Um, I've gotten to the point where he's like, but, uh, but everyone else's mom, but so and so's mom is letting him do it. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry that she's a bad mother. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what I might go to now. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. That's a fun line. (laughs) So, okay, so going back to this, so I I just want to explain, like, how these districts build these meetings to try to smoke out these parents from speaking. Um, So we went, it started at 6, at 5.30, it started, the board meeting. We did not speak, and I mean, I left at, after 11. Wow. 11 p.m., because what they did was they came in and they recognized all of these. It's like the whole thing's a circle jerk, and they're like, oh, but you, your department did so good. No, but your department did so good, but I really appreciate what you do. Oh, but we really appreciate what you do. And so they did all that, and then um, they closed the meeting for a closed session because they had to, like, go talk to the city attorney about something. And so when they did that... The idea, I think, was that they probably just had dinner along with it. They were gone for probably two hours. They were just gone. We did, we just, just sat there. Yes, I literally ordered DoorDash <laughs> <laughs> from a taco place down the street. Nice. Yeah, because I was like, play. I'm hungry. So That's they a waited. Very stew move, right, right there. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Yeah. <laughs> so then they um, come back. They only take public comments on the agenda that they want to talk about that day at the at the beginning. Then they go through the entire agenda that they have, and then they save all of the little peasants, all of the moms who are angry about them sexually indoctrinating their children. They save them until the very last moment. And then, of course, when there's too many people that sign up, you don't even get your full three minutes. You just get reduced to one and a half. I mean, that is how they game the system against you. Oh, and they're not very um, uh, forthcoming with these books. Parents have to actually go. They have to read the books. They have to submit the books for a review process. Now, these books in particular were actually reviewed already and reapproved. Oh, my God. Yes, reapproved by this committee that the board picks to, to go through the approval process. And this is Texas. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> this isn't California. It's not in Illinois. Right. This is Texas. This should not be happening. Right. So so that's why I, I'm, I'm stressing to parents, you have to get involved in this stuff. Don't even think that just because you hear that your state has passed a bill not allowing this, that there's not a way for them to keep these books on the shelves until parents, until organizations like Citizens Defending Freedom here in Collin County and, and these other organizations actually go and read the freaking books and go through the submittal process and things like that. It takes hours and hours and hours of volunteer time that these parents don't feel like they have, but that's how difficult they want to make it so that you can't control what your children are reading and whether or not they are exposed to sexually explicit content. Another option, too, is to uh, put up one of those electric fences and put a dog collar on them so they can never leave your property. That's another, uh, (laughs) it's about the only other solution. I like uh, that one. Because, I mean, that's where we are at this point. Yeah, it really is. All right, we got to take another quick break. We'll be right back. I was, I, like, I mean, I've been to All right, uh, did you guys... 
have the emergency alert thing go off on your phone? Oh so, yeah, it's good. yeah. I didn't. You did. I, I turned mine off right in time. I just never got one. Really? So I don't know what happened. But I have an old phone. I, I I had to get a replacement phone. I had a new one, and then I broke it and lost it. Uh, so I went to go. I have a very old phone, so that might be why. But I just didn't get the alert. Well, um, I want to play Secretary of State Antony Blinken, um, who like, he was like in the middle of an event, and his phone went off. Here's what he said. So that's one side of the point. But here's the other side of the point, and here's fundamentally why it's so important. Uh-oh. Uh, this might be, might be our Russian friends interrupting us. <laughs> I'm glad to know the national alert system works. I, I hate these people. <laughs> I really do. I almost, I was like, maybe I shouldn't, no, I, I just hate these people. Um, but you did get it. It was jarring. I mean, it was really loud like that. And uh, I, ha- I never have my f- the phone yeah. sound on. It's always on silent. I never, I've never turned it off. Yeah. And it's still powered right through that. And, and, and let me know that it was. A Somebody said the alert. alert was activating all of the, uh, the vaccine zombies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't see that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. It worked. Oh, no. <laughs> Anytime. It could happen at any moment. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.